Good morning, guys. Cups up. Cups right? up. Right? Cups up. Eric, you are filming, I guess, from a Spencer's Gifts this morning. What is that bright light that you have there, that black light? It is a uh, uplighting <laughs> in my bedroom. We put this uh, blue string light around the tray ceiling, and it looks like the old Spencer Gift stores. You know, remember <laughs> where they had the Velvet Elvis and the lava lamps, and they even have water beds in the back. Do you remember the water bed? No, I don't yeah. remember a water bed. Yeah. I remember yeah. those. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Yep, yep. I guess I wasn't allowed to go to the very back of the store like you guys. Didn't it get what? Didn't it have like sex stuff? Too? Yeah, it had sex yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All of it. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was where you would go and giggle. A friend of mine put yes. it in because I've been spending obviously so much time in my bedroom, and he said, "Hey, this will look pretty cool. You'll enjoy it. It's it's uh it's pretty relaxing. Listen to some meditation music and." Uh, Take me back to the days when we all used to walk the malls on Saturday. Remember the the guys used to walk on one side, the girls used to walk on the other, and you'd you'd look over at each other, and then you stop maybe at the pizza shop, pizza place to get a slice, and you know it was uh brought me back to my youth. Simple turn. We did not have gender divided. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> always in the mall. No, we were always <laughs> together with the boys. Yeah, I don't understand that That's one. That's funny. But- Hey, per- progress, I guess. That's right. Speaking of crazy things, guys, uh, what is going on on the internet when it comes to the Stephen Smith case? Because I I got off Twitter just for a few days there, probably for a week, actually, because I just think that there's no upside to me arguing with people. And I get in this point where I see things and I just want to argue. And... Because I hate being misunderstood and I hate when my friends are misunderstood and I want to defend, especially you guys, but then it's like I get caught up in these uh, no win situations where I don't even know if I'm fighting with a real person. So Troll traps. Yeah, troll traps. So maybe why are people being so weird about the Stephen Smith case and the exhumation and all of that? Like, what What do you think is guiding some of those negative comments that we're seeing? I hope that we find out. Um, It just seems like there's something guiding all of these awful, the worst of the worst of humanity. Um, It or they're just a, it's a bot army, and it's like a couple people that are just that's their full time job. But that is very weird to me too. Um, It seems like. But it seems like somebody powerful enough to get a troll army or to get this, like, messaging campaign out against the Smith family um, does not want us to get to the truth and us to get to the bottom of what's happening. And that's just kind of my takeaway. And then the other thing that I was really talking to Sandy a lot about this weekend, like, people need to know when things are their business and not their business. And I feel like with the Murdoch story, they have just come to claim everything as theirs. And uh, they forget that it's actual human beings. And this is an actual investigation. It's This is not a game. This is not uh, a fun time. This is not a movie. This is an actual investigation where there are major, major consequences to the things that are revealed. And that is what I've been seeing. But I'm kind of the same. I've taken a step back from Twitter. 
I just get so mad when I can't, I know that it's a troll trap and <laughs> I know that it's, it, but it's just way too frustrating. So I'm just kind of like, let the fire rage and I'll deal with it later if I have to, but, or maybe it'll put itself out at this point. Well, there's some real people, I think, that are involved in this too. I think initially there were people that wanted to make sure that everyone in the world knew that they had nothing to do with the GoFundMe and raising the money for the exhumation. I don't understand that um, because people who claim to care about Stephen and claim to care about Sandy would understand that this is something that she's wanted for a while. And the second thing is, Eric, I don't really appreciate when I see people uh, putting you down either. Uh, and I know that I'm better. I was telling Mandy Powers Norrell and uh, Sarah Ford this uh, during Palmetto Primetime. Remember, Mandy, it's like, I'm really good at putting people down. Like, I'm really good at the comebacks. I can really hurt people if I wanted to. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that power. And it is so hard to sit here on my hands, and especially a, a couple of individuals that I just want to come back at and just put them away. There are people that I just know that I could uh, cut with a knife with my words, and I really am holding back because no good will come of it. But Eric, um, going back to um, this idea that the exhumation itself, uh, was it worth it? What happened on Friday? Friday, we had an opportunity that began basically late Wednesday night into the morning of Thursday, that there was a window where we could get this exhumation done. And obviously, the sooner we got, got it done and get the process started with the autopsy, the second autopsy, the better it would be for Sandy. You guys have to understand that I represent Sandy Smith. Yes, I do podcasting, but I'm a lawyer first, Land Richter, and we're, we're client first lawyers. If you look back at the history of the Murdoch case, We've always been client first, whether it's been for the Satterfields, whether it's been for the Plyler girls, whether it's been for Jordan Jenks. Every client that we have represented, we've put their interests before ours. That's what we have to do. And yes, the media has been very, very good to us, meaning me, Ronnie, and our clients. But we've also given back to the media. It's It's been a two-way street. They've gotten... Uh, information and stories from us. But if you look at what we've done, we got the confession of judgment against Alex for $4.3 which got him disbarred. We got uh, the state to bring criminal charges against Alex. For the Plyler sisters, we got them a recovery and we resolved their differences with Palmetto State Bank. Jordan Jenks, we got him money. Every single one of our clients, including Sandy Smith, We've met the goals of why we were retained. So I'm not here to uh, uh, give everything to the media that the media wants. I am here to represent Sandy Smith. My whole goal, I told uh, two weeks ago when I got retained, was our retention was to get the exhumation of Stephen and get the second autopsy done. That is what Ronnie Richter and I did. So early Thursday morning, we had an opportunity of a window to get Stephen exhumed and to get him to, the, to uh, the place where he was going to be examined and the pathology would be done. And we'd have all our experts examine Stephen and then get him back so he could rest. 
So my number one goal was, how do I accomplish what I want to do, but recognize that this is an extremely traumatic time for Sandy Smith? No funeral, no exhumation is a media event. That, that, this is a private affair. So all I asked was, I'll speak as to what happened, but my client has a right to grieve. And she has a right not to have the exhumation of her son and then him be transported uh, across our country to be examined, not to be a media spectacle. And so we had this very small window. And I've told the media and everybody that we are working with SLED. And Chief Keel was um, amazing in how he mobilized his, uh, his deputies and, and his agents to assist the process. We contracted with a funeral home. We were able to get uh, DHEC approval uh, for the exhumation of Stephen and also the uh, permission from the coroner, which negated us having to go to court. So we had this very small window and we wanted to do it so that Sandy Smith could sit there by the graveside and make her own peace and her own time with her son without cameras being there, without microphones being there, without uh, food trucks being there. This was not going to be the Murdoch trial. And so we scheduled it. We got it done Friday morning. It began at 6.30. Uh, Mandy was there to comfort uh, Sandy. My associate was there. And that was it. We had the protection of SLED. And thank God, the word didn't get out. Stephen was able to be exhumed. Uh, our expert, Dr. Michelle Dupree, was there and accompanied him where he was examined all the way to Florida. And now Stephen is reinterned. And Sandy has a little bit of peace. That was what I was charged to do. I'm not, I'm not charged here to make sure that the media is satisfied. My charge is to make sure that my client is satisfied. And that is what we did. And I make no apologies for it. But I did it because it was in the best interest of my client. Look, I know sometimes when, when I'm getting interviewed, I'm getting used. I get it. It's a two-way street. It works. And we have done very well together, the media and my firm. And I hope we will continue to do so. But please don't get mad at Sandy Smith for not letting the public come in when her son is being uh, brought out of the ground and no one knows what the condition of, of the vault was going to be or what the condition of the surrounding ground was going to be. You know, for all we knew, when we dug it up, the, the crypt uh, could have uh, cracked and the coffin, pieces of the coffin could be there. That is her son. And no, I make no apologies for this. People, obviously, some are upset about that. But look, you know, always in America, we build people up. And once they're built up, we tear them down. Now, that's starting to happen with me. That's fine. But Sandy Smith, everybody is applauding her, 99% of the people. But now they're almost mad because she was unwilling to share the most serious time that she could ever have with her son. Remember, we're not a society where children die before parents. 
We're not in the Roman Wars. We're not in World War One or World War Two, where where kids are going off to war and and we're losing thirty thousand eighteen and nineteen and twenty year olds a day. So this is a a big deal. When she has to confront again the death of her son, relive the death of her son, and our our whole purpose, meaning Eric and Ronnie, started because you guys wanted an investigation. For the last five years, meaning Mandy and Liz, that's what you've been screaming. It's time that the, the death be investigated. And I got that done. Chief Keel and his death and Sled are now investigating the death and circumstances surrounding Stephen. And that should be the number one thing. What what more do we want? I'm not a I'm not law enforcement. I don't have the ability to go subpoena. Uh, I mean, search warrants or put people in an interview room. We we accomplished what we wanted, which was the exhumation. We're going to find out the cause of his death. And we're turning it over, passing the baton, so to speak, the proverbial baton to SLED to do their investigation. Are we done? No. We are going to continue to do what we have done. We've hired investigators. We're going to provide information to SLED as it comes in, but we're not usurping SLED's uh, jurisdiction. So thank you, Eric. And uh, Mandy, I, I want to ask you first, how did it come to pass that you were by the gravesite for this exhumation? Explain to people just how that happened and a little bit about your relationship with Sandy, because I think what I'm seeing is, words like exploitation being thrown out there by people who have no idea what they're talking about and frankly need to question what they're driven by when they say those <laughs> words. Uh, so I just want to give you the opportunity to, to explain that. And Yeah, um, Sandy asked. Again, I think people really have to take a step back and realize that this, the Stephen Smith investigation is so different from everything else. This is a woman who nobody believed her for years and years and years, and they ignored her, and they made fun of her. They made rumors up about her that she was taking money. They were just horrifying to her for years and years, and including the media. The media, as soon as Stephen's... As soon as Stephen's case was reopened, a lot of the media was really horrible to Sandy and the amount of times that she's been betrayed and maligned and, God, kicked around in the last couple of years. And we've just, we've both just clung to each other in the last couple of years because I've been dealing with the same people, but I didn't lose a son and I don't have, and I wasn't here for four years before, four or five years as she was in this fight alone, so... I am constantly just extremely careful with everything about Sandy and protective of her because she is just, I, I know how much she's been through and it's horrifying. And I can also say that the majority of people, 99.9% .9 of the population has no idea, cannot even possibly fathom the things that Sandy Smith has gone through. And how dare them to say anything about how she feels or how she should feel or 
who should be included in her, this is grieving and suffering in a horrific process. Um, she's, the woman's just trying to get answers. And of course it just, it, and she she said this weekend, like, I consider you and David family at this point. And that meant a lot to me. Um, and I'm gonna be there as a human being before I'm gonna be there as a journalist. And that's just kind of where I was on Friday. So I am at the point where nothing really matters besides getting answers and justice for Stephen and his family at this point. No scoop, no exclusive, no whatever. I don't care anymore. Um, and when Eric and when Sled is telling Eric this is what's best and the media does not need to be included in this and I'm going to take that very seriously and I'm not going to do anything to compromise the investigation. So I was there as a friend to Sandy and so was David to support her. Sandy didn't even tell her children because she was so terrified of word getting out and did not want a circus happening on Friday. And I just can't imagine the type of I don't know the hurt that she's she's gone through and she's really good about blocking out all the noise but she keeps just saying like it's it's none of their business <laughs> these people have got to understand that this is my struggle and as far as the GoFundMe that does not give the public the privilege to stick their nose in everything. And I feel like I speak for a majority of the people who donated to the GoFundMe for, they don't want, they also don't want any, like, anything to compromise the investigation. They also don't want to make this into a circus. And if that means waiting a couple days for hearing the official word that the um, exhumation happened, then I'm pretty sure most of the people who donated to that are completely fine with that because they want to support Sandy. We'll be right back. As y'all know, we're gearing up for our national tour. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful. But do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it. Viore. The Viore Winter Collection is chock full of travel gear for any temperature or adventure. I'm planning to strut down Rodeo Drive in my Elevation Trousers. Sophisticated silhouette, ultimate stretch, superior softness. That is my new travel mantra. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash coj. That's v-u-o-r-i dot com slash coj. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash coj and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I love that BetterHelp believes in making professional therapy accessible, affordable, and convenient so that anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime and anywhere. BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board-licensed professional counselors. They specialize in helping you cope with stress, anxiety, relationships, addiction, grief, and more. After you sign up, they match you with an available therapist who fits your objectives, preferences, and the types of issues that you are dealing with. BetterHelp allows you to text, call, or video chat with your therapist so that the counseling you receive allows you to feel most comfortable. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com COJ today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-O-J. There were two things that happened this weekend which caused a lot of traffic on Twitter. Twitter. Obviously, the exhumation and that it was able to be accomplished uh, smoothly, quickly, um, and without incident. The second, though, was I would not comment this weekend on there were reports of who are who are persons of interest in the potential investigation and death of Stephen Smith. And I was questioned a number of times through phone um, requests as well as text message to give a comment on a couple people who were named as allegedly named as persons of interest, not by SLED, but by gleaning their names from the investigative file that was released by South Carolina Highway Patrol. And we'll talk about why we thought, why Liz and I and Mandy think that that was a really bad idea for that file to be released when it was after South Carolina Highway Patrol. But the only thing I said uh, to that was, I think it's reckless and dangerous to start naming people as persons of interest while a criminal investigation is going on because, one, it endangers the people themselves who may be wrongfully outed or named, but also it, it, it interferes with the potential of people wanting to come forward. Remember, that's what we've been saying all along. It's now a right time for people to come forward. The Murdoch conviction happened. Uh, people uh, stood up and, and, you know, raised their hand to tell the truth, and they did, and there's been no repercussions. All that's going to happen when we, if, if media starts naming people, that they're persons of interest or they're witnesses, our people are going to go back, in their, back into their own worlds and under their rocks and back into their houses, and they're not going to cooperate. We only we know that the only way this investigation is going to proceed and be successful is if somebody comes forward and gives some credible information and leads that SLED could then take 
and find out what happened. So those were the two major things this weekend. Um, and I seem to be getting some pretty good criticism, and it's fine. You know, if you want to compare me to Kim Jong-un, compare me to Kim Jong-un, I, I don't think it's appropriate. But I think exactly what, what Mandy, you just said is, can we just give this woman two days, two full days to grieve and let her son get back in the ground? His Stephen needs to be put to rest. He needs to go back and his spirit and all of his uh, and everything that he represents needs to go back in the coffin and back in the ground. So, Eric, let's let's just. Was it worth it? Was the exhumation worth it? absolutely the mm -hmm. the are you glad that there was an exhumation yes it's not only important uh to sandy smith but the investigation the to prove that stephen was not murdered by a hit and run car or a truck you have to exhume the body that has to be done you have to be able to show the chain of evidence when somebody is going to ultimately, if they're ever going to be charged, you have to be able to show that there were no uh, uh, markings of uh, fractures on the leg, that there were no fractures on your chest or your back or your shoulders. And I don't know what the results of the um, uh, autopsy were. I, I haven't gotten them yet. But if we're going to show that he wasn't hit by a car, we have to be able to show medically that he had no fractures from shoulder down. So it had to be done. SLED had to be there, and they were there. They did an amazing job, guys, transporting with the funeral home, Stephen to Florida, guarding Stephen. They did a great job. Everything Chief Keel promised me he would do, he did. And in return, he wanted me to do a media embargo over the weekend. And why would I not honor that after the kind of money the state of South Carolina spent from Friday to the time that they got Stephen into the ground? And it, it had to be done. This information is now in SLED's hands, and SLED is allocating the manpower and resuming the investigation. Isn't that what we all want? We just want answers. Look, if it comes out that the answer is that Stephen wasn't ultimately murdered, that's fine by Sandy Smith, but a mother deserves to know how her 19-year-old son died. Isn't that it at the end of the day? Very much so. And I think we're only having this conversation right now because of how that investigation was conducted and how unusual the circumstances were in how the investigation was conducted. So. I think we have to all keep that in mind, that we wouldn't be here having these conversations had things been done normally and thoroughly and by the appropriate agencies. So, Mandy, what was it like being there uh, during that exhumation? A couple things uh, it, that I want to say. I was extremely impressed with SLED's presence there. Um, I watched all of the agents individually come up to Sandy, hug her or shake her hand and say, we're doing everything that we can, look her in the eye. And I was just impressed and, and moved by that. Um, that's another step that Sandy 
really wanted all of these years is just the validation of people of all of these sled agents telling her that they care and that they want to solve her son's case and that they are a prompt and giving her a car. I saw several of them say, here's my card. If you have any questions, that was just amazing to see. Um, it was a very, um, Sandy was a lot happier than I've seen her in years. You have to understand, and she kept saying this over, and this is just all I've wanted. I've I've wanted this for eight years. And she fully believes that, like, it's the first step in really getting on the path to getting answers. And there was a couple moments where, um, I mean, we all cried, but it was intimate, too. Like, and I cannot imagine how stressful and different it would have been with media cameras. And again, knowing the things that the media has done to her. So let's start with the murders. No one knew who Sandy Smith was basically prior to, um, you know, the boat crash brought attention. But after the murders, this situation that happens with Alec Murdoch's family becomes the situation that is happening to everyone else, too. So the boat crash victims and the Smith family. So what happens to Sandy Smith after the murders? So um, right after the murders, um, I started to get word that they um, were reopening Stephen Smith's case. And... I called Sandy one day and was like, you might want to call SLED and see if they're reopening uh, Stephen's case. And when you say reopening, it's really actually... Or opening. Yeah, opening. because it, yes. so it was an open yeah. case. Yeah, it was never closed. It was never closed and it was never SLED's case. Right, and so that's an important distinction just because... Basically, every case stays open until an arrest, and right. that's why we have cold cases. So it's important to understand that uh, Sandy wanted SLED to take over this case, and that's what they did after the murders. Right. And Sandy called SLED, and SLED called her back and said, no, we're not opening a case into Stephen's death, but we do want you to come in because we have some questions about if you and your family um, basically... We want to make sure you and your family um, have nothing to do with the double homicide. And that was horrific. It was probably, it was one of the worst days I've, I mean, she was crying. I felt horrible because I felt like I walked her into a trap. And I did not want that by any means. And it again, and Sandy was just, and she was right. She was like, how come they are dedicating so many resources to this case? And my son's been in the ground for six years now, and nobody's done anything or care. She was like, it's great that they're looking into everybody for this case, but how come nobody ever did that for my son? And she had she had a great point. It was like two systems of, two systems of justice. Here it is. Like the people like the Smiths get questioned for uh, the double homicide when they had nothing to do with it, and then my son's case gets put on the back burner yet again. And notice what the Smiths did. I mean, 
that happens, right? They get asked about the murders and they answer those questions, right? I mean, it's not that hard. Right. We're, we weren't, we had nothing to do with it. <laughs> the same courtesy was not paid to the Smith family when Stephen was killed. So uh, people who were asked questions, you get asked if you had anything to do with someone's murder and you're horrified that someone has been murdered and you have nothing to do with it you will tell law enforcement. You'll come and talk to them to help them figure things out. And uh, that didn't happen for Sandy. Instead, um, people were not forthcoming if if they talked to law enforcement at all. So I think that also shows the two different approaches. Right. Uh, but then a couple days later, um, they made the announcement. Uh, Sandy called me and was crying again, but happy tears this time and said they're opening an investigation into Stephen's case and um and then that and sled made a statement saying during the course of the double homicide investigation we came across something um and we're opening up a case into Stephen Smith's we're opening up an investigation into Stephen Smith's death that invited the media that was like just put sandy in this in the middle of this media superstorm where she'd never been before and some of the people that were calling her and her almost to the point of harassing her years before she was trying to get their attention and trying to get them to care about steven's case and they didn't call her back and so she's just been through a lot and they would camp out in her driveway they would she'd come home from work and there would be a reporter on her doorstep like it was invasive one reporter knocked on her door in the middle of the night like it was crazy or called all all of her neighbors and all of her friends and every every one of her facebook friends and other reporters did that like they were just horrible, and they were not sensitive to the fact that, like, it, she has been waiting a really, really, really long time for answers, and she's been trampled. Like, the, the system has just crushed her time and time and time again, and the media has just made it worse, for the most part. There, there are some media members who are not me and Liz, who Sandy loves and adores, um, but some of them have been awful. And so she didn't want them there and SLED didn't want them there because it just complicates things. And again, the, the main mission is to get Stephen out, to get him exhumed and to get his autopsy done and to get him back into the ground safely. That is what is best for the investigation. And it adds so much more complications and so many more headaches and it makes it more traumatic. It was a peaceful, beautiful experience, honestly. And I was honored to be there. Everyone there was just moved by Sandy. Um, Dr. Dupree, who is the pathologist, she's awesome. She hugged Sandy and just said, I'm just so inspired by you. I can't imagine what you've been through and looked her in the eye and was just like, we are going to do everything that we can to find answers. Even down to the, the man who was helping dig up the grave. I think he worked for the funeral home. He even looked, looked at Sandy and said, I hope you find peace in all of this. 
Like he was even moved by her. Every single person who was there was there for a mission and they just wanted the best for Sandy. And that was a beautiful thing to see. Can I just say one thing? Um, Mandy and I had talked about this and maybe I did with you too, Eric, I can't remember, but it was so important for those sled agents to be there and they will never forget this day as long as they live. The best part of them being there, I think, is that it's now personal to them. And every investigator needs to look at cases this way, that it's personal to them. And a lot of them do. So many investigators take it so personally. Uh, but this case never was. Uh, even for the best intentions of this, the highway patrolman who understood that this wasn't a hit and run and who understood this to be something else them investigators seeing this as a personal mission is and an exhumation is something that stays on the heart of an investigator for the rest of their career and the next thing i wanted to say to you i just i think it's really i don't know if we've said this before publicly but for mandy especially and for me when we met Sandy in 2019, we drove home basically in silence the, the entire hour and a half drive because we were so, um, I don't know how to explain it, like just floored, like the, the rug was taken out from underneath us because of the conversation we had with this woman who had not been getting answers and who had tried so hard. It was really upsetting to both of us that we weren't able to do that job for Sandy until after the murder. So that's something that we bear on our shoulders every single day, that it took the momentum of Maggie and Paul's deaths to be able to do something for her. And that's that's our shame to bear too. And I, I think when people make these criticisms, especially of Mandy, it, sorry, it's heartless. And it just gets, it really gets me. And I've seen messages to Sandy from people in media who have said things to her like she has been hoodwinked by Mandy or hijacked by Mandy or um, is being manipulated by Mandy. Uh, and what upsets me, there's two things, not only because it's my friend that they're saying that about, but Sandy is a smart woman and she is not somebody to be taken advantage of. She will tell you straight up to get out of her face. If for one second she had a problem with Mandy David, me, Eric, Eric, the two Erics, she would tell us. She would not hesitate to say. So to, this is where we look at this two systems of justice when we look down upon people who don't have power. She has agency. She has power when it comes to dictating what she wants in her circle. She couldn't get the most powerful agencies in the state to see that. It is disgusting what I see online uh, that people say, and it's disgusting to see jealousy about it. And that's, that's look at yourself in the mirror, that you are jealous that somebody is helping a woman try to find answers about her murdered son. Just look at yourself in the mirror. And, that, and that's my anger coming through, and I'm sorry. That's, I, I knew it was going to happen. But that's the third thing I want to say is that... Well said. Thank <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry I get emotional, but I do. And the third thing is that we did have cameras there. Eric Allen was there. And I want to explain that to people so that they understand that this was to help Sandy. Uh, and this was David's and Eric Allen's way of helping the media and doing it in a respectful and managed way. So 
I just wanted to put that out there in case we want to mention that just so that when people see that, that they'll understand what that was about. Yeah. Uh, Eric, Sandy wanted to document it. Um, she's again, wanted, she doesn't want secrets with any of this. And it was important for her that it was documented. And she's developed a relationship with Eric Allen too. He's, one of the sweetest, I mean, we've met. One of the met, best people out there. Yeah, he really is. I mean, we have met some awful, horrific people. Like, <laughs> I've met people on all sides of the scale, like from the worst of the worst to the best of the best in the last couple of years. And Eric is right up there, best of the best. He's sweet. He's kind. Talented. Um, talented. He, and he cares. He really legitimately cares. Um and she wanted him to be there and she trusts him. And and again, it's a way of, like Eric said, of working with the media and I uh, being like, hey, you guys couldn't be here, but I know that you need B-roll to get your job done. So here's how we can do that for everybody. Which means that we are going to release royalty-free. We're not trying to capitalize on that filming, nobody's selling it. We're not, David isn't out there on the street, you know, calling today's show or calling 2020. Who's going to pay for what? It sounds ridiculous, but you have to say that because that's where people will go with it. Yeah, they will. They want it. It's being released so that they could see exactly what happened without it being a circus. We're not trying to hide anything. Remember, when I got up in the press conference, I said I was going to be totally transparent on what we find, um, sh I'm gonna share it with SLED. I have been transparent. The only thing I was uh, misleading on was I just didn't give the specific information on when the exhumation would be. Yes. Don't apologize one bit. This was for my client. My duties under my rule, rules of professional conduct are to be 100% fidelity to my client. I did what my client asked me to do, and I make no apologies for it. Nor should you. Can, can I just say that it's just a couple days? It's not like you <laughs> people, and it's the weekend. Like, calm down. All these people are, act, are acting like we're all hiding this big secret for, like, months. No, it's just a couple days. And also, this is how investigations work. Like, the public is kept out of some things because the media does complicate things. And again, there are repercussions to everything that the media releases. So I, I, I just could not believe, and I was so disgusted in seeing these people online, and I know that they did not have permission, and I know, and I know that they did not go to Sandy, posting pictures of Stephen's empty grave. Shame on you. Seriously, shame on you. You have no right. That is so grotesque and horrific. Well, to claim and that they care about her on the one hand and then to do that on the other, like, it's a public play. Like, hashtag justice for Stephen Smith. Go. <laughs> Everybody's saying there's exploitation going on. That's exploitation. Right. And I would never in a million years ever. Mm -mm think that I had the right to take a photo of somebody's son's grave. 
um, and post that everywhere and, and also on the same time claim that I care about the Smith family. No, you don't. No, you don't. You care about, you care about getting attention. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's one thing I understand that, that the grave is visible from the street and everything and that makes it, people do have a right and I don't want to cloud that, but at the same time, that's not what we are seeing, right? We're not seeing like a news agency doing it. We're seeing, um, private citizens who, um, sure have big mouths behind the scenes. Uh, that's what I'll say. Um, I, 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 I think one thing I want to just say, because I've been on both sides of the fence now with working for the sheriff's office and working with, uh, deputies, understanding how they view their job and all of that. Um, as media people, of course, like media, Mandy and I were always pushing for more information. And early on, I think when social media started to really become the factor with investigations, because obviously people talk and they do it publicly like that, I think there was a lot of misunderstanding with law enforcement agencies that to be transparent is to compromise an investigation. That is very true. But there are things that investigators can say that law enforcement agencies can say that promote transparency in other ways when it comes to investigations. One, they can give updates. Uh, generally speaking, we just did that at the beginning of the show. There was an exhumation. There will be an autopsy with results. Um, we will not talk about those results, by the way, because it's part of an investigation. And I was talking with Eric, Mandy, and Sandy, and David last night, and one of the things we all have to realize is that for eight years, all we've had is speculation because this investigation um, had no answers, right? And all it had was rumors around it. And then we got leaked the investigation unredacted and we sat on that. We did not publish any part of that because of how important and, and how dangerous it was, as we've said in MMP. Because you want people to be able to talk to law enforcement without feeling punished by it. Uh, the, you know, especially when we talk about in communities of people of color, you have uh, these murders that end up not being solved because no one wants to talk. And it's because law enforcement does very little to assure people that their privacy or that their identities will be protected. So to put out, um, and you'll notice in the earliest episodes of MMP, when... Um, we had uh, recordings of some of those interviews. It was done with a voice uh, to cover people's voices so that they wouldn't be found out. But in 2021, when the Highway Patrol releases this investigation, which we said before, it was very unusual and uh, highly unnecessary in our opinion. Um, oh, we, again, I, I want to point out, we also changed the names of the people that, um, uh, and openly said that, but we, we, yeah, we protected the identities. Yeah, we very careful. Very careful. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case for all media agencies because these people's identities were able to be found out. So that said, um, you know, this is something completely different. So that investigation gets released in 2021. And now everyone is on the same page when it comes to being able to speculate using the case file. How many times do you can see how many times the Murdoch name is in it? You can uh, see who is asked questions and what the, the things that they said and where, where they went the investigation. You can see that there was issues between Highway Patrol and the medical examiner. All of those things, it's all we had. It's all that was out there. But now it's not speculation anymore. And I understand the irony of me saying this because everyone, we're going to be in the dark as well, by the way. This is, uh, SLED is running this investigation, not Eric Bland. It's, it's, 
important because we want people to be able, we want stories to be able to be corroborated if people, when, when people come forward. Um, and it's just, it's important. So I think we're just in a new phase of this. It's no, no longer speculation uh, in the Stephen Smith investigation. It is actually investigators working to get uh, hard answers for the first time in eight years. So it looks different. It, it's a different situation now. And, and I think it, it would help if people understood that. And I think most people do understand that. Smart people do get that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Microdose was created for endocannabinoid system support and all-around wellness, helping you feel like you on your best days every day. It contains the one and only Balanced Spectrum Hemp Extract, formulated to deliver the classic effects and benefits of THC in perfect balance with CBD, CBG, and therapeutic terpenes. And they taste great too. Robust flavors of strawberry, blueberries, and marion berries are infused into every gummy. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code COJ to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com code COJ. So Eric, you were asked about people of interest in this case that was published uh, over the weekend. Do you think that that was published uh, as sort of because the speculation on the exhumation had picked up? What do you think the motivation was there in putting these names out there? I don't know. I, I, I don't want to speculate. Um, I think it was because I wasn't given answers on the exhumation. Something had to drive the news on the case. Uh, it, it isn't a breaking story when you do that because it isn't SLED who's saying that they're persons of interest. Um, Have you heard those names from SLED, those names given no, to you? No, Chief, Chief Keel's not right. sharing uh, that kind of information. And he he called me on the phone and we discussed it and he said, look, Eric, um, that is really a dangerous thing to do because it impedes the investigation. And he said, I'm never going to tell you who our targets are because you're not law enforcement. I'm going to share with you in a general sense that the investigation is proceeding, that we're getting closer, uh, that we're getting um, favorable responses. But that's about the level that he's going to share with me. Mm -hmm. Now, he wants me to share with uh, what our army gets. Sandy Smith, for instance, got a uh, uh, an email from somebody last night that was very relevant uh, and provided some very relevant information. Um, and I provided it to SLED. That's all I can do. He loves that. You know, they they welcome the input. 
But even the smallest amount of information, too. I think a lot of people don't understand that they they know something when they don't even think they know something. Correct. So if they have a little inkling in their heart where they think I should share this, but maybe it's nothing, you should always say yes to sharing it. And um, if you feel more comfortable sending it through um, Eric Bland, that that might be a way to go. or if you want to talk to them first before saying anything, that's another thing. I've heard that there are people out there who are talking to lawyers about sharing information. So uh, you can always do that. And you could uh, send tips to tips at sled.sc.gov. You can call 803-737-9000. Or you can go to Mm justiceforsteven.com. The point is, isn't it better for all of us, the journalists, Sandy, that I maintain that relationship with Chief Keel, that he will share general information from me, or he welcomes getting information from me? How would it benefit all of us if I was to cut off that relationship by something that I did and Chief Keel would never answer the phone for me? I mean, right. we all we all want answers. Yeah, and I think it depends on um, the person's motivation and so like everyone here their motivation is justice for steven that's that simple and that include and we know that you being able to work with sled and not have this uh, if you guys butted heads and keel cut you off for some reason that could lead to a lot of problems and so like the mission here is justice for Stephen. It's not to serve the media. It's not to serve the circus. It's not to um, provide news outlets with salacious stories. It is justice for Stephen. So that is something that we have to realize. And I would urge everybody, please, God, Be cautious of what you even click on because when you click on a story, it encourages the monster behind that machine to continue this behavior of exploiting, exploiting someone's death and possibly interfering with justice. So ignore, ignore, ignore when it comes to these salacious stories that do not come from Eric because Eric is the one who wants justice for Steven. Right. And justice justice may turn out to be that we never know that, you know, Chief Keel said to me, we are going to do everything we can. And that's all I can promise you. I can't promise you a a person or persons that I'm going to be able to produce for Mrs. Smith. But what I can promise is I am going to give a hundred percent. We all want to find out what happened. It's what happened and who did it. And at the end of the day, if it wasn't a murder, if it wasn't this, then Sandy's okay with that. She just wants answers. That's it all goes back to that word answer. You say it over and over and over again. She never heard Sandy Smith said, I want a guy to hang from the flagpole in town square. She's never said that. And I would also note. Those names that were released, I know that you guys care about Stephen and you care about Sandy. Do not reach out to those people. And and we're hearing that some of them are getting death threats. We're hearing that uh, there's been threats of violence against them. And that is completely wrong. And you do not know 
what their involvement is, if anything. You don't know if they were sources uh, for law enforcement. You just simply don't know because that is not something that came from SLED. And uh, it's just, it's not right. Just stay out of things uh, until until it's time to celebrate, hopefully, when we do get answers. So at this point, I just, it, it's it's just like, I think because the trial was such a point of entertainment universally across the country, it just turned into this other thing where everyone was sort of cheering on whether it was, you know, just justice, however you saw justice, whether you saw justice was Alec getting off or um, Alec getting convicted. So it's almost like that, like you were saying earlier, Mandy, the high from that, it, it, people are sort of now conflating this other case with that and thinking that they have a right to go into the crevices with it. And they, and they just, they don't, and it causes more problems than I think they're aware of. So I, we all respect SLED and we all at different times will criticize SLED or have criticized SLED. But the reality of the situation is they're the only agency that can investigate and ultimately prosecute through the AG's office responsible parties. We can't. I can't. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just a, a citizen. I don't have the power of law enforcement. So I'm not uh, uh, selling out by cooperating with SLED. I'm doing the best that I should be doing for my client and it's in my client's best interest that we maintain a dialogue and a cordial relationship with the agency that is investigating this case i make no apologies this is also sled building trust i mean we've talked about this over and over again about there being two systems of justice where we talk about there being a lack of trust in the state's institutions when it comes to law enforcement and this is this is them saying we hear you and and we're going we're going to uh, show you what we're made of and I think we need to respect that as well. I have great respect for that and I will also say this as a critic of Sled, especially as a columnist, when you know I'm used to criticizing people in print, the measure of a person's integrity has always come in the form of them still talking to me, and. I will say that I've never been cut off by them because they're angry at something that I've written or said. So I like I'm just saying that there's there's integrity there and I'm I'm just happy to see this and I I hope people see that too that this is this is our system telling us that they're they've heard us and that they're they're trying to rebuild trust with the public. So um, I hope people recognize that too. I was thinking back to August of last year when we all filmed for the the CNN documentary. You guys remember that? With Randy Kay. With Randy Kay. And uh, we we went out to dinner with Sandy in Columbia afterwards. Black Rooster. <laughs> yeah. Was that where and, we went? <laughs> mm -hmm. And Sandy was, and we, we all could feel just how defeated she was because she was the only one at that table without anything like no lawsuit no answers no no sense of urgency no sense of urgency just her case was just shoved to the side and er eric felt that and he really talked to her the whole time and i think that that's kind of really that started to get the ball going on sandy developing a sense of trust with eric too because she, you guys both just saw how 
you saw how defeated Sandy was and you saw that you could help and do something for this woman and look where we are now. Um, like I said, I've never seen her this happy before. Um, and she's also just really, uh, I'm learning from her because she is able to just be like, those people are idiots. Uh, don't even worry about it, Mandy. <laughs> screw it. And screw them. They have no idea what they're talking about. And she's just really good about keeping focused and just blocking out all of that noise. And I just urge all of us to keep doing that and not to fuel the fires of these evil people who are trying to stop her or trying to malign her or listen i was called a carnival barker this weekend which it was funny and i laughed about it but it it's not appropriate because if i had been out on the tv for the last two weeks barking and nothing has happened then you could call me a carnival barker and, and ronnie and my associate scott mangillo but we are not carnival barkers we did exactly what we set out to do we we developed a relationship with sled in two weeks I had not communicated with Chief Keel before two weeks ago. I didn't talk to him about uh, the Satterfield matter or the Murdoch murders. I didn't talk about that. And in two weeks, we produced an exhumation and an autopsy. And that's production. What did we do for the Satterfields? We got recovery for them. I'm not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but a carnival barker is somebody who bullshits. And we are not bullshitting here. Yeah, well, was... the people who say that are, and I think most people see through it. So, yeah, and again, yeah, the it's just grow up. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it's like I don't even want to include some of these parts in here because I know <laughs> what's out. Like, yeah, feels the fire. Yeah. I bet you think this song is about you. Um, <laughs> I don't, you. Yeah. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just um, – do you guys want to talk real quick about uh, the, the Alec and his special treatment in prison? I'm a little floored by this whole thing that there's a, a secret group. It sounds like a, the beginning of a really terrible t TV show, like a secret group of 28 prisoners who have been set aside in a secret location in <laughs> South Carolina. To, and it's mostly – I mean, I did not know this existed. So – Apparently, who are the other ones? I don't know. There's no. There's no list. There's no. So the Post and Courier, the post, uh, Thad Moore at the Post and Courier uh, uh, asked for the identities of the other twenty-seven uh, secret agent men uh, in prison, and apparently it's not a public list. So that's very. We need to know if they're all white men, though, because that would. You know what? I'm going to say this. It. Did, no one in any state in this country should want there to be a secret list of prisoners being held special place in a uh, in an undisclosed location by the state so you're telling me that we're cool with the government saying we've squirreled away these this little group of people we're not going to tell you who they are or where they are for their own safety their issues are in the prison not outside the prison like we can't get in there to be like oh he's at kirkland uh, i think i'll just show up no that's not how that works so i don't i don't understand this at all the reason is that some of these people are um can be very um can lead to prison rioting could cause sure. a lot of violence. What if it is somebody who was a policeman who, um, you know, was helped arrest people and now that policeman's in jail? I could see that person being in protective custody because people are going to want to be a retribution. 100%. Uh, 
So uh, there, there are probably those people that it's not so much for their own safety, but the, the warden doesn't want an uprising to take place where people are ganging up together to get that person. So with Alex, I'm not sure what the reason is. Is Alex suicidal right now? I don't no. know. Uh, no. It, it, is it because he's getting special treatment because he's Alex Murdoch or they're afraid that they've already heard rumblings? Oh, we're going to get this guy. He, he, in his 14th Circuit solicitor office, you know, convicted me of this crime. I don't know, Eric. I feel so cynical about this. I just, I think, yes, I agree. Like, you, you, we don't want... Sound like, great. I mean, to spend your day in an 8 by 8 cell with a bed, a table, and a toilet, isn't... Weren't the, that was the three things that they said? No, he has a television. You're forgetting that Alec has a family that supports him and puts money in his account, so... Um, he has a television? He has a television. There's like a plexiglass television that apparently you can buy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, I have no doubt in my mind that he's getting everything. He's, he's getting the, the full service treatment in prison that, um, isn't, but it, this, that said, I, from what I understand about, because I have friends that keep saying like, oh my gosh, he's going to get it real bad in prison, uh, because of who he is or what have you. But a, he's a lawyer and he can help other people with their cases, or at least other people could believe that he could help them with their cases, even though he doesn't know what habeas corpus is. Uh, but two, he is always going to be able to put money in people's accounts and, he has that trust fund from Randolph, and I know that he is saying that he can't afford his appeal. We we all know he can. Um, and he's a I, manipulator. And he's Sorry. a manipulator. So I, you know, he's good with people and, and even terrible ones. So I don't know. I don't like the idea of the state being able to spirit away uh, a handful of prisoners to it. We don't know anything about. I mean, it would be one thing if they said, "Here's who's under this protective custody." And it's within the X prison. Fine. Good. Now we know where they are, but this isn't Guantanamo Bay. Um, right. It's not the it Colorado's like. Supermax prison where they, they keep, uh, you know, El Chapone and all these other people in Colorado underneath the ground. Nobody knows where that Supermax prison is. I mean, do we have one of those? I don't know. In South Carolina, could there be? And what does that mean for FOIA? Like, where are we supposed to FOIA for... Right, Alex's exactly. phone calls and things like or any of his stuff I guess the Department of Corrections but at the end of the day I mean it, it's just not something that I think we should be promoting is is having I'm not saying he shouldn't be in protective custody I have no idea what the circumstances are or the threats that have been made against him but it, it sure does look like I mean when we're saying that for years now that this guy has been getting special treatment by law enforcement and here we are again he, he gets whisked away to some <laughs> special <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Let's talk about um, Alex, the victim, who now he's a he's saying I'm a victim. I've had to spend all this money, and I I need money. So I sold all these personal goods. I should get either some money from that, or the state should give me some money because they turned a three week trial into six week trial, and. I saw something where Jim Griffin put out a request for defense costs and defense funds for Alex's appeal. Now, that is rich. Alex <laughs> stole $8 million from his clients. And now he's asking for money, like a GoFundMe, to help me with my appeal. And there's probably wackos out there. 
It will send money. I almost did. Are you kidding me? So, you know, Alex, the victim, when he says, I should be able to tap into my IRA money because that's legitimately earned money. Well, really, is it legitimately earned money? What about the $8 million? So you're saying you lived on the $8 million that you stole and you had that great lifestyle of going to the, you know, the College World Series and, and your boats and your guns and your Moselle and your Edisto Beach House. Why does that make that funds that go into your IRA legitimate funds is uh, just a crazy argument. And I just think it's uh, amazing that he's trying to wear a victim hat when he's the one who caused all these problems. What are your thoughts? I think, again, it's it's yet again the audacity. Like, how many times do we have to say this? Uh, like, I don't know what planet these people are from, <laughs> but I don't know how they were raised. I don't know how they sleep at night. Jim Griffin, just give it up, man. Just you you are digging yourself into a hole that is harder and harder to get out of it. And even saying like send funds to this way for Alec Murdoch's defense is so horrifying and disgusting when there are a long line of people who Alex owes a lot of money to. He should be very very lucky that he got the defense that he did. Um because I question if his retirement money is even, even though it was made legitimately, like Justin Bamberg said, well, because he stole from other people, he was able to put that money away for mm -hmm. retirement. Right. So he should be freaking lucky that he should be grateful that he got the money that he did. And he needs to sit down and shut up and enjoy prison because that's... All I have to say about that. <laughs> Do you guys think, I know I bring this up a lot, but I mean, it's just a matter of time before uh, one of his uh, sycophantic fans out there gets a marriage proposal from him, right? I mean. Yeah. yeah I was, and the, like uh, the, like, uh, the Mendez, bro Mendez brothers or Men Menendez. Menendez, yeah. And then Scott Peterson got married in jail. I'm sure there's going to be a, a pen pal and, you know, mm -hmm. I'd love to be a pen pal with Alex. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love to have some. I'm gonna. I'm telling you, I am gonna try to see him uh, when all this dies down. I'm gonna, you know, put my name on a visitors list and see if he wants to see me. I'd love to be able to talk to him. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I have no interest in talking to him, but I would like that letter from Jim Griffin. I, I thought about donating ten dollars just so I could get that letter back from Alec. Uh, well, you could have bought it, you know, as used underwear at the auction. Or you no, 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 no. White t-shirts that may have arm armpit stains. Why wouldn't you want that for God, $550? So $550. You know, stuff that, you know, a tumbler goes for $2,000. You could have you could have paid for that if you wanted an artifact like that. I do have to say one thing that came from Jim that I thought was pretty nice was somebody gave uh, bought, uh, Paul's visor and gave it to Buster. That was sweet. Um, right. It's really just kind of hard to see that stuff being sold like that because it's just such a tragedy um regardless i mean everyone there's human and you just see these things that are like really just artifacts from their life and when before all this happened and it's just it's, it's yeah, Mag sad maggie wouldn't want stuff like that sold how do you know that no. that wasn't a, a couch that came from her mother or something right. that was given to her as a gift i mean hawking off all the items, some of those things may have been very personal to Paul and, and Mag. 
Maggie and Paul got done real dirty. Uh, there's That's one thing that Alec was right about. I mean, just really, really dirty. And hopefully they can find some peace, too. Mandy, were they really skilled at how they used that backhoe? I mean, because, you know, you can't just go in there and dig. I mean, were the operators really, like, gentle how they take up the dirt? and? yeah. It was more of a science than I thought that it would. I mean, it, it, it got complicated because the two, um, Joel's vault was very, very close to Steven's. And, yeah, they got cables to kind of cut between both of them. And right. It was fascinating to watch. But, yeah, I mean, in God. And there was water. There was water, right? Like, was yeah. that a problem? Um, not initially. It became a problem later when they cracked into the vault, but there wasn't water, um, when they were digging, but I was surprised how it was a lot more shallow than I would have, would have expected. Um, it was four feet, not six feet. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, the process was very... Precise. Amazing, precise. Yeah, I was extremely impressed. And the the man who was uh, there to move the headstone, he stuck around just in case with his machinery um, that moved the headstone, and that ended up coming. Um, that ended up being so helpful when they were moving the vault, and everybody was just there to help, and everyone was just extremely supportive and kind. And it was, I've never been to an exhumation before, but it was a weirdly like beautiful process just to see all these people that were there for this woman and trying to do the right thing and just being extremely ex respectful and... Yeah, I mean, and it, it took probably three hours from beginning to end, but um, I was extremely, time. yeah, I was impressed by how they were able to do that. And I didn't know vaults weigh like between 2,500 and 3,500 pounds. Wow. Like a car. Wow. He's buried next to his father? Yeah. He's, he's buried right next to his father. And they were, Sandy kind of thought it was cute how the, the vaults ended up touching. Yeah, and, they're talking. And yeah, and and she kept saying like, "Stephen, hang on, hang in there. Um, you're gonna go to Florida." Oh, this is something I wanted to share. I didn't know this, but Stephen was buried in scrubs. The family buried him in scrubs, and on the pocket it says "Dr. Stephen Smith." Wow. Now that is cool. And that and that sweet. That is cool. Yeah. She, Sandy told me that this weekend. I've never heard that before. She was saying that um, she wanted to make his dreams come true. And, um, you know, that was what she knew that that was what he always wanted to be called Dr. Stephen Smith. So they did it for him. They, they buried him in scrubs. That's a good way to end it. That's a real good way to end it. Well, guys. Cups uh, down. Cups down. I know our dogs have to go for walks. That's right. <laughs> Great talk today, guys. Great, yeah. Cups down. Yeah, cups down. Thank you for everything, Eric. Thank you for all your hard work on this. And thank you, Mandy, for being there for Sandy and Great for making the process bearable and, and all that. We will persevere. I appreciate wow. it. Thanks for all your time. All right. Take care, guys.
This Cup of Justice episode is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co-host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, a.k.a. the Jackhammer of Justice. From Luna Shark Productions. Ah!